Hello, 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 and welcome back to yet another episode of Absolutely Nobody's Favorite Podcast, Annoying Question Boy. Uh, If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Uh, I kind of have a little bit of a special episode today. I kind of want to kind of want to lay it all on the line, you know, talk about what's really been on my mind lately and really what I've been passionate about and just kind of, quite honestly, just spurt out whatever is on my mind. So uh, if that is more interesting to you than like learning, um, this is the podcast for you. If you want, if you want to learn, you might want to listen to one of my other podcasts. But yeah, uh, this is just going to kind of be, this is the shit I'm thinking about episode. So, first and foremost, one of the things that has been really on my on my mind lately has been just quite honestly the millions of people struggling right now. Um, you know, I wrote a a blog this morning titled "Our Struggle," um, which is probably going to be what I title this episode. Um, excuse me while I take a sip of the, the drink here. The drink, he says. Um, So, yeah, so I'm probably going to title this Our Struggle because that's really what's been on my mind lately is just, again, the millions of people who are struggling right now. Um, It's quite insane, honestly, that we really don't see, like, true material analyses, if that's how you say that. Um, and like, you know, news articles or any kind of articles, really scientific articles about these, um, you know, millions of people who are struggling in any form of like mainstream media. You know, I, um, I don't really watch any cable news or anything like that, but like, I don't see any stories popping up on Facebook other than people who, you know, probably wrote those stories posting them, which I, you know, people who I follow for that stuff, about the 28 million people who are about to lose their homes in the 1st of January, um, the millions more who to this day have not received even their first stimulus check, and let's talk about the 336 million more who 100% need a second one and a much better one at that. The millions more who are out of a job with some of them who will never see that job again. That job is completely gone. And yet, how much conversation during the election did you hear about this? How much conversation during the points where you would honestly expect these things to be talked about? Did you hear them sincerely talked about? I mean... Biden and Trump during uh, their debates both talked about people struggling, which, wow, thanks, Mr. President and Mr. Uh, Senile Guy. Uh, You can decide which one is which. Um, Like, but none of them went into concrete discussions about what the, you know, what the problem, what the central key characteristic that caused that problem was. Nor did they go into any kind of serious discussion about what they will do to fix that. You know, as all presidential election goes, um, elections go, um, you know, you got all these candidates up there who we know are just lying straight to our faces. And they are. You know what I mean? Like, 
No one person can do the things that these people are claiming that they are going to do. You know, bring jobs back to America. That's an impossibility. It's impossible. You will never see jobs come back to America because that is antithetical to the very reason why they aren't in America to begin with. You know, it's too expensive to have those jobs in America. It's taking away the profits that these companies are having. Of course, they're not going to bring these jobs back to America. And we've tried. We've given billions of dollars worth of tax breaks to these companies to come back. And then they come back and then in you know a few years they close their plants or they're only hiring a, a fraction of what they hire outside of the states. You know what I mean? And so it's it's a ridiculous notion to believe that something like that could be done at all, let alone by a single person. But yet, every single presidential election, what do we do? We vote for the person who says the most stuff that we agree with. That's ridiculous. That is idiotic. First of all, we know every other three years that these people are lying straight to our faces. You know, we have conversations, oh, they're all corrupt, they're all liars, they're all cheats, you know what I mean? Then come election year, what do we do? Just like I said, Oh, I voted for so-and-so because they said this. Oh, wow, they said that? Wow. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. Now I completely understand why you would vote for someone because they said something. But yet, every other year, when we have conversations about politicians, it doesn't matter who you're talking about. You can, you know, in most cases say, but they're all corrupt. And usually just about anyone you're talking to probably will go, yeah, you're right. So, I mean... That's, that's my preamble into what I want to talk about today. So, like I said, um, what's been on my mind is everybody who's struggling. And I, I really want to talk about our struggle. But the only way to really understand the struggle of Americans today, we have to understand the struggles of billions of other people prior to those who are struggling today. So I am in the pro. Well, I just finished reading a book called Washington Bullets by V.J. Prashad, which was excellent. And uh, if you have an interest in this stuff, definitely something you should pick up. Uh, and now I'm making my way to rereading um, Open Veins of Latin America, um, written by uh, Eduardo Galeano, um, who it was a journalist in Uruguay. Um, and then became a political prisoner um, and went into exile in Argentina and then into Spain and, you know, wrote about what was happening in South America and how, how it really was caused. So we have to understand that here in America, and I would like to, I would like to preface this entire conversation with saying at no point is anything that I am saying comparing struggles. You know, if I say so-and-so struggled, but so-and-so struggled this way, I am not comparing those two struggles. Something that I've learned, because I'm in counseling, um, shout out to depressed uh, assholes everywhere. Um, So something that I've learned is that you can't compare pain because pain is 100% subjective. One person is experiencing that pain in that very specific way. But that does not mean that someone else's pain is therein, you know, lesser or more depending on their own specificities of their own hurt or pain. So let's talk about the fact that when I have this conversation, none of this is going to be 
you know, these people struggled worse than these people. Because, again, completely subjective and it's it's incompatible in a comparison that way. It really, really is. You cannot compare things uh, of that magnitude. You can't. So, in order to understand the struggles that we in America are facing today, we really have to conceptualize the struggles which, again, billions of people have, you know, dealt with before us. So, of course, we all know the um, history of America as being a uh, colonized landmass, which therein turned into a settlement for colonizers who, in new and exciting ways, oppressed, exploited, uh, and massacred the peoples of both North and South America. Um, throughout years and years of colonialism. And then eventually in the 1700s, you have the um, really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not invalid, but, um, well, I guess invalid is correct. The invalid um, creation of the United States. Uh, I say invalid, of course, because what United States? Um, this was 100% a nation, uh, many nations actually, far before any uh, America was conceptualized. And so it's utterly ridiculous that we even to this day have, have to have serious conversations about the quote-unquote United States as if it even exists. You know what I mean? Um, that might be a little too abstract for some. Uh, we can definitely have a conversation about that whole thing another time. Um, but it, it goes without saying that the creation in the United States was um, really ridiculous because, again, we came to a land which was already sovereign, uh, oppressed it, enslaved it, and quite honestly exterminated a good majority, at least two-thirds of its once existing population, and then declared it our own country. That's how the United States was founded. So, of course, we know that. So that period of time, that quote-unquote age of exploration time, that's what you and I were taught was the time of colonialism. But once the United States was founded, we had this new thing called imperialism, which was different. Um, And in a lot of cases, the way that I learned about it in my school was that it was good. Um, Well, I guess good might be... It was as everything is taught in American history in America, it was a necessary evil. You know, it was bad, but, like, people benefited from it, so, like, is it really that bad? Another sip here. Um, If anyone listens to my show, side note here, if anyone listens to my show and wants to be really cool and do something for me, because sometimes people just do that, and I don't want someone to do that without really knowing what I would want, Arnold Palmer, dude. Just get me an Arnold Palmer. 99 cents, I'll fucking pay for the shipping. I don't care. Give me an Arnold Palmer. I love Arnold Palmer. Back to it. So, where I went to school in Rome, New York, RFA, that's kind of how I was taught the difference between colonialism and imperialism. You had your colonialism when you had your colonies. But once the United States became a country, you now had imperialism because it was a state which was acting out these acts on other colonies. 
But that right there, as I just described it, 100% disproves that that is true. Colonialism still exists today. We still have colonies. The Philippines, um, uh, uh, Samoa Islands. I can't think of the name of the fucking place. But um, Hawaii, Alaska, I would consider those colonies. Um, oh, Guam. We, we have colonies. Um, and not for nothing, I would consider places like, you know, certain provinces in China, like, uh, I think it's pronounced Longhuai, um, where Apple has all of its, um, factories set up. Um, I would argue that that is a colony of the United States. We 100% have, um, to some extent we have political control, but we 100% have economic control in some of these regions all over the world. By our employment, Haiti is 100% a colony. So, like, this understanding as colonialism and imperialism being two very separate entities and not being, you know, in existence at the same time is a ridiculous notion. Colonialism still exists today, as does imperialism. So then the question becomes, okay, if colonialism and imperialism are not split in that way, then what is the difference? So, as far as I can understand, and again, you have to remember, for those of you who don't listen to me often, or if this is your first time, I don't, I've got no formal education on this stuff. This is all coming from the top of my noggin. So, if my definitions are off, or if the terms I use are wrong, or, you know, if something seems a little misinterpreted, my apologies, you can 100% correct me, I will I will never turn down corrections which come in good faith because that helps my analysis, that helps my understanding, and that's what I'm looking for. So if I'm ever wrong or I ever, you know, misspeak or misdefine something or maybe the the way I'm talking about something isn't really getting across the point that you think it should, 100% DM me, comment on the post. I don't care as long as it's in good faith and not to just be a dick. So... In my eyes, the difference between colonialism and imperialism is that imperialism is kind of after world wars, World War I and II. Um, I would argue that imperialism is different because of how it is enacted. So colonialism still exists today. We 100% have colonies which we have a military presence on. We have political, economic, and social control, which we maintain through the use of our own military or our own military police forces. We 100% have these places that exist. But we also have places wherein we are enacting imperialism. And the difference is the difference between somewhere like, say, the Philippines or um, uh, Venezuela. So imperialism is happening to Venezuela through the process of things like attempted coups, um, attempted um, social unrests, which we're trying to spark by using far-right conservative parties like we did in Bolivia this time last year. Um, And then you have your sanctions, which I'm reading, again, uh, Open Veins of Latin America, which talks about, in some extent, these sanctions and what they cause, but also I am reading, uh, oh geez, 
you're gonna you're gonna expect me to speak Spanish a little bit here. I believe it is pronounced viverimos. Oh wow, that cool little tongue roll. I promise that was unintentional, and I'm sorry if my accent was just totally made me look whiter than I'll ever look. I accept it. I'm sorry for making you listen to that. But it's a good book, um, and in the introduction, um, or the preface, uh, oh, who is it that wrote the preface? God damn it, I don't have the fucking book with me. Whatever. The, the preface talks about the use of uh, hybrid wars um, and sanctions as a, a complete and utter breaking of the... Um, I think it's an international law, which was created in the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide, which was a convention which was held by multiple different countries after the end of World War II to try to figure out how it was that they would prevent um, things like the Holocaust and, on top of that, the other acts of genocide that Germany committed um, by doing things which the United States 100% is doing today and has always done. So that is imperialism versus colonialism. And I could 100% be wrong, but that's how I conceptualize it in my head. So why is this important to our struggle? Why do we have to understand this? Well, we have to really conceptualize the base of our society which we live in in order to understand how to change it. You know, if you don't understand the foundation of a problem, you can't ever expect to fix it. Uh, Not for nothing, but when you put out a fire, you spray at the base. So why would we be any different in solving world problems like this? So one of the, you know, reasons why I find this understanding of imperialism and colonialism and the atrocities which they have and continue to commit Um, One reason why I uh, say that this is incredibly important is because it applies um, historical analysis and historical understanding, which otherwise we are not going to receive here in America. And that helps to inform our understanding of how to address these problems. Because again, if we don't understand what is causing a problem, we cannot in any way, shape or form expect to know how to fix it, you know. If you never go to medical school and you just hop right into a surgery room and you just start doing surgery, one could not expect that you're going to, you know, get it down on the first try. Um, And that's another big reason why understanding this colonialism, this imperialism is very important is because this history also includes a history full of revolutions, full of change, full of different attempts at change, different attempts at revolution, and it's all something which if we really truly are working for change, really truly are working for creating an equal, just, and free society, then we have to look at every example, even of failed revolutions, as not failed revolutions, but as learning tools, as ways to, you know, apply the successes of these revolutions in their subjectivity we also have to remember that revolutions cannot exist in one space the same way that they exist in another right but we have to try to take what we can learn from these failures quote unquote and use them to influence our knowledge of how to not fail next time Um, these things are ever moving they are you know ever a problem 
So we can't expect that just because, you know, say one country has a successful revolution. Well, that doesn't mean now the whole world is going to look at that and all of a sudden everybody's going to have a successful revolution. No, we, we have countries which to, you know, all in all intents and purposes are back to the Stone Age. Um, and not for nothing, but that is 100% because of the United States yet again. Um, I believe it was a description of Afghanistan, which I read, that uh, literally read the United States bombed Afghanistan back into the Stone Age. But I, I believe that how I was reading that was a military official like bragging about that. So you have countries like the United States, which can do things like that. And then you have the countries which suffer from the United States and other countries doing things like that. And you cannot expect that, again, just because one country, say, say Bolivia, you know, I would argue that Bolivia did have a successful revolution, is having a successful revolution, is continuing to have a successful revolution since 2005. Again, last year, or I should say this year, in the defeat of the coup of Janine Añez. Um, And so, you know, just because Bolivia is succeeding in their revolution now, does that mean that all of South America and this quote-unquote pink tide is going to succeed? No. That means that there is a country which is actively employing what is called scientific socialism, um... And let, let's talk about that really quick. Let's take a side note. To everyone who understands socialism as a stagnant, uh, you know, being or state of things, you know, this country is socialist or this country isn't socialist based off of actions that they are taking, that is a completely and utterly uneducated and misinformed understanding of what socialism is. Socialism, to those of you who don't know... Um, perfectly fine if you don't it's just those who don't know who claim that they do and then try to argue with you know people about what socialism is or does so to those of you who don't know socialism is 100 percent a process um the reason why this is is because everything is um that was one of marx's main uh conceptions this dialectical understanding of the world Simply put, is that everything is always in an active process of change. Nothing is ever stagnant. Nothing ever stays the same. Nothing ever will be the same, you know? Um, And so this understanding really helps to inform uh, our understanding of what socialism is because then we can look at countries like China, who a lot of people on the left would point to and call state capitalist in a uh, derogatory way in order to say they are not a truly socialist country, do not understand socialism because China is 100% a socialist country. They are employing socialist practices in a successful manner, which has to this point lifted 1 billion people out of extreme poverty. Now, before everybody starts getting ready to type up why China is authoritarian and fascist and this and that and the other thing, does this mean that now China is perfect and does nothing wrong? No, that's a ridiculous notion. No country is, you know, perfect. No system is perfect. Nothing can be perfect because at the, you know, the very core of things uh, being, you know, if we're talking about government, 
it's being acted out by human beings. Human beings have this tendency to do things wrong, believe it or not. So, could China be doing things wrong? 100%. I'm not going to speak on that because, to be honest, I don't have enough of an understanding or an education about it. And I think that we need to start employing that, you know, practice of saying that, of, I don't have enough education about this thing, so I'm not going to talk about it. Because even in some of these leftist spheres that I'm in, you have people, again, talking about China as being state capitalist or as being um, authoritarian, as if really they have any concept of what is even happening in China. We have no accurate reporting on China for the most part here in the United States for good reason. You know what I mean? Um, So to try to talk about China in any kind of manner which puts forth this idea that you know what you're talking about, you're lying. And if anybody ever talks to you like they know what they're talking about with China, unless they're from China and actively involved in the struggle happening right now in China, they don't know what they're talking about, okay? Even people who fleed China don't know what they're talking about with China. Sorry, guys, if that is offensive or not woke enough for you, get the fuck off my page. Like, for real. Um, But it's true. Um, China is 100% a scientific socialist nation. Um, They are employing socialism in a way to improve the situations of their struggling people. Something that we here in America, the wealthiest nation, are completely incapable of or... And this is the thing I would like to end on, disinterested in helping the people of our country. So this episode is titled Our Struggle. I'm talking about our struggle in the blog that I mentioned earlier. So how does any of this, what I've just talked about, have to do with our struggle, us Americans, how we struggle? Well, today we have to understand that that imperialism, that colonialism, and the practices that came along with it did not just happen in our colonies or in these states which we have you know, an imperialist power over. They are happening to the working class people of America today. Why do I have to go to work seven days a week in order to afford my bills? Why do I not have the funds to support myself unless I do that, unless I work seven days a week? Well, because, believe it or not, America isn't a free country. America is not a equal and just society. It very well might be for a select few of this, these, you know, country, of this country. Um, believe it or not, uh, as you know, fair as my skin is and as privileged as I did grow up, uh, I am not one of these lucky few. Um, uh, so it's, you know, it's a difficult notion to understand all of these things and these complexities. But we have to understand that even the few freedoms, even the few liberties that Americans enjoy, um, first and foremost, are 100% because of the enslavement, uh, exploitation, and oppression of billions of other people in countries all over the world. Um, 
sorry, there's an ambulance. There was an awful accident. Jeez Louise. Um. Christ almighty. Jesus Christ, that's awful. Um, holy shit. Sorry, guys. I'll, I'll maybe cut this part out, but, um. But, uh, yeah, so, <laughs> to jump back into it, the reason why all of this is important to understand is because if we don't understand these things, then we can't understand, again, the foundation of the struggles which we here in America are facing today. We have to understand the whole scope of these things, the entirety of them, not just our opinion about these things, not just a few, you know, factoids to spurt off in order to avoid true conversation, but actually to have a holistic and scientific understanding of these things in order to be able to formulate an idea, an understanding, an analysis about not only the problems which are facing these people and us here in America, but also how to fix them. Because if our intention is to fix these problems, we have to know how to do that. And we can't know how to do that if we don't even know what caused the problems in the first place. So what is our struggle today in the United States? The working people, what is our struggle? Our struggle is one of complete and utter enslavement. Now that might sound offensive to some, and I might get a little hate for that comment, but allow me to explain. We here in America, from the day that we can, you know, maybe understand the words which are being said to us, are told that we are free. We live in the land of the free. We are told that we have liberty, that this country is a just one which exists to create equality under a law, which is therein supposed to be uh, enforced by our government. But so often our government is in fact the one breaking these laws. What is our struggle in America in 2020? Our struggle is one where we have no independence, liberty, freedom, or even the simple ability to pursue happiness. Because guess what? We're too busy going to work. We're too busy trying to find enough money to pay the bills. We're too busy trying to figure out how to not become homeless. How to afford a hospital visit in the middle of a global pandemic. This is the struggle of the working people in America in 2020. And these working people have seen in this past year that they have no support. We have no support. Listen to me. Listen to my words. We have no support. No one is coming to help us from within our government or from within the elites, the ultra-rich, and really the ruling class people of this country. They are not here to help us. They are not our friends. The reason why they are the ruling class is because we are the ruled class. We are the oppressed class. We are the working people of America. And therefore, 
they are the ruling class. The same way that we are free in America because of billions of others who are enslaved permanently. Their whole countries, their whole nations, whole continents are enslaved. So that we can be comparatively free. Not free in its truth and truly liberal and, you know, self-determined and independent. But only free in comparison to slaves. The same way that that is true is the same reason why there is a ruling class in this country which you and I are not a part of. We are the working class so that they can be the ruling class because otherwise they are not truly in charge. We here in America are 336 million. As far as I know, the latest you know statistics show that 1% is the ruling class in this nation. Now, from here on out, I am speaking satirically. This is a parody. Everything that I am saying from this point on is a joke. 336 million divided by 1, or 1% of 336 million, is, is let's see if my math can do well, I believe... You know what? In all honesty, I'm not going to expose myself. You'll never know what my answer was going to be because I'm going to do the math on my... uh, on my phone. So, how do you feel? You feel really stupid, huh? Oh, shit. I feel really stupid because I don't know how to use a goddamn calculator. Times 0.01. Versus 333 million. Now, again, this is a parody. We 100% could take them, guys. Like, we need 2% to beat 1%. Even if they have... You know, we always have these conversations where, oh, well, they have all these drones, they have all these weapons, da 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 We have b- millions, if not billions, of more people who would willingly kill uh, U.S. government officials, as a joke, uh, in a parody, in a satirical way, not 100% real at all, definitely not real. Uh, so, yeah, if you're still listening to my show, I just pulled into work and I have to get out of the car and go. So, thanks for listening. I love you all. I hope everybody's staying safe. Um, if you enjoyed this, please share it because uh, I'm desperate for an audience because I am really depressed and I love doing this stuff, but nobody ever listens to it, so please share it. Uh, if you don't already, please follow my social medias. I have Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook, all at Annoying Question Boy. Um, I also have a blog, which you can find at annoyingquestionboy.blogspot.com, spelled just like that, no caps, no spaces, nothing like that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, listen to my other stuff, please. I love you all. Thanks, you guys. I hope everybody's staying safe and staying healthy. Solidarity to all the struggling people in the world, including those in Peru and India, which are struggling for equal representation and true freedom for farmers in order to support themselves. Uh, also solidarity with the struggling people all over the world. I love you all. Um, solidarity to you all, and we'll see you next time.